um, as we turn to the scripture this morning. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your peace. What an amazing uh, time in your presence we have already experienced this morning. I ask that as we turn to your word, you'd help us to understand what we're reading and you'd help us to understand how we should respond. I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So you see on the screen uh, the title and the text for uh, our message this morning. Um, I, I want to talk about the fact that we are created by design. And uh, if you've got your Bibles, uh, we want to turn to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 26 through 28. So, like it or not, believe it or not, you have a creator. You have a creator. Everything that you see in this life, God was involved with creating. Even in giving humans the ability to create stuff out of stuff. Everything, uh, and, and, and even the ability... The God-given ability for your parents to bring your body into this world. Like it or not, believe it or not, everything that you see has been created. And what I want to look at today is the truth that God loves what He has designed. God loves what He has designed. We are each uniquely designed by God with love. Our design is connected to God's redemptive work in our world and the purpose of God that he gave the human race at the beginning. Why am I holding this guitar? This is my favorite guitar. There's a long story uh, behind this guitar, which I'm I'm not going to share today, but I want to explain something to you about this guitar that's relevant to our text this morning. This guitar was entirely handmade. This is a handmade guitar. This, this guitar represents um, weeks of finish work and years in the making of learning of design. And there's a lot that has gone into it. And um, the brothers Larry and Kim Breedlove, uh, the name that you see on the guitar, partnered with Steve Henderson and Larry Breedlove and Steve Henderson made uh, Taylor Guitars what it is today. They're friends with Bob Taylor, and uh, Larry's back working for Bob again. Uh, they are the ones who uh, picked all the original wood to get Taylor Guitars started, and obviously Breedlove Guitars as well. Um, they're the ones that built the first kiln for drying the wood. Um, you, you don't make a wood instrument without wood. And the type of wood that you choose and what you do with the wood makes a massive difference with how the guitar sounds. What you're seeing on the front of this guitar is a Western Oregon red cedar. Cedar and Sitka spruce are the two woods that are best for a soundboard, whether it be a soundboard on a guitar or a piano. Uh, for a number of reasons, but not the least of which, they uh, are very clear in how they sound, and they're very balanced from bass to treble, 
with how they respond. But the design of a guitar includes many, many things, not the least of which is also the sound hole. The sound hole that you see here, the smaller the sound hole, the more bass you hear from the guitar. The larger the sound hole, the more treble you hear from the guitar. So there was a design process, a uh, uh, process of elimination. There's a great learning process that even goes into choosing the size of the hole. Um, with a handmade guitar, the bracing that you see on the inside is done by hand very carefully, very carefully in how it's scalloped, very carefully in how it's placed. They use fine glues as, op as opposed to mass production guitars where it's mostly done by machines, heavy glue, heavy wood, and so they're not as resonant. Now this particular guitar also has a bridge truss system which makes the back of the guitar a soundboard as well. So different than most acoustic guitars, the front and the back are a soundboard. That's a design element that the creators of the guitar did for a different result. So it's more resonant. It sounds like if you talk to um, a lot of guitar players, what some people would call gearheads or old heads, they, uh, in the 60s and 70s in particular, they would put acoustic guitars in front of speakers playing really loud music to try to age the guitar more quickly because old acoustic guitars sound better. They sound like a grand concert piano compared to new guitars. So it is not only the design of the guitar, but it's how the guitar is treated itself. If it is treated in such a way that it was designed. So a lot has gone into the thought and the process of just how is this done to begin with. But then imagine this. Everything from the shape of this neck, which is a single piece of wood, different than your affordable guitars. And that affects the sound. The angle that this neck was put into the body, that affects the sound. The woods that were chosen affect the sound. The fact that the, the finish on the guitar, what you see that makes it shiny, took, they took a, more than a week to apply this. That affects the sound. Mass production guitars sprayed on heavy, thick finish, make it easier uh, to be protected from damage, but it also changes the resonant quality of the instrument. When everything is done by hand, there's a tremendous amount of care, and there's a tremendous amount of value. Now, that's reflected in the price. In case you're wondering, I did not buy this guitar this year. I actually struck up a friendship with the Breedlove brothers that resulted in a whole other separate miracle story, which is why I can hold this guitar today, and another reason it means something to me. But if you've ever created anything, how you feel about what you created is different than an object you didn't create. The more that I learned about how this guitar was created, the more I valued the instrument. How it sounds, how it plays, all of those things have value to me. But the design process, the more we know about the design process, the more we are involved in the design process, the more it affects our value of the object. Are you with me? Now, obviously, I have a little bit of an affinity for these things, so I could talk about these things for a, a very long time. Let's, uh, let's turn to the scripture. So, Genesis chapter 1. So, Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28. 
Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image, to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Now, I'm going to pause there. There is a ton to this story, and a lot that we will not have time to get to today. And a lot of times we unpack lots of scripture on a Sunday morning, and sometimes we actually walk through interpretation verse by verse. Today, we're kind of use a cheat code, and I'm going to fast forward through uh, many hours of interpretation and the fact that I believe the whole of Scripture supports what we're going to talk about today. So God loves what he has designed. In this passage, we learn a lot about God's design. Pastor Ben, why in the new year, in the middle of this fast, are we talking about this? Why are we talking about this? When we start to come to God in wholehearted devotion, a God who's worthy to be praised, like we talked about the last two Sundays, sometimes our frustrations and questions come to the surface. And I don't think we will experience the life of Scripture if we're not also honest about our humanity and our questions. And so we ask questions like, why on earth am I here? Why does this bad stuff happen? What is my place in this world? Where do I fit? I don't feel like I fit. I don't think I know my purpose. Nothing seems to kind of fit me perfectly. And those are valid and important things that we need to feel and that we need to bring to the surface and that we need to be honest about. And that I believe God has answers for. And you know, in my reading through the Bible in a year plan, I do it chronologically, and that includes combining um, a psalm and a proverb, starting with Genesis, but it also includes Job, which is the, the oldest text that we have in the Scripture. So January is always like, Always got something from Job in it. It's a little bit of a bummer. (laughs) One of the interesting things that happens in the story of Job is that there is this bringing to a place of, am I asking the right question? See, I think that it really shouldn't be so much find your best life. Maybe it should be a little bit more God loves you, giving you value and purpose. I should be asking the right questions. I should be trying to discover, what is God doing? How has God designed me? And how does that fit with how God has designed the rest of what I see? In my experience, that's where peace, fulfillment, and joy are possible, even in a broken life. I've found it to be true. 
I found it to be a proven principle for other people. So for each uniquely designed by God. Well, first of all, what we see in this passage is that God creates in his image, in his likeness. God creates humanity to be like him. So we have to say very loudly here in this church, which we are urban, multi-ethnic, spirit filled with a value on being healthy and missional in our practice that those things are not going to come about if we don't believe and understand that all of humanity carries the image of God. Now, to ancient people that read this, they kind of had a little bit of a different filter because the ancient kings called themselves gods, actually used the phrase, I am the image of God to you, and that's my right to determine what is right and wrong. And so when ancient peoples, whether they were aware of the scripture, the ancient kings, whether they were aware of the scripture, or not, this is what God did at the beginning. And it is God, the creator, who has the right to say what's right and what's wrong. But it's also God, the creator, that has put in all humanity, not just the fancy ones, the athletic ones, the smart ones, the beautiful ones, but instead all humanity inherent value. Each human no matter how broken, has value being shaped in, created in the likeness of God. And so our belief in this, it it, it brings about a fundamental shift because human nature leads us to believe that I am more valuable than someone else or people who are like me or people who I like are more valuable than other people that I don't like. And that's a wrong point of view. And furthermore, later on when Jesus comes on the scene, his teaching goes everywhere from love God with all you've got, love your neighbor in the same way you take care of yourself, and love your enemies. It was an upside-down crazy thing that no other faith nor any other agnostic ever taught. Jesus taught things that nobody else said. And that came, it sprung from the fact he was with God the Father at creation. He heard God the Father say what he said. He saw God the Father gift humans with this inherent value. Now this is something that we we talk about a lot. Also, you want to look at this a little bit more on YouTube, the Bible Project, the Image of God video. Okay, so, but let's go a little bit deeper. So we're each uniquely designed by God with love. Our design is connected to God's redemptive work in our world and the purpose God gave the human race at the beginning. What is the purpose that God gave the human race at the beginning? It's a fourfold purpose. You see on the screen, I'm going to talk about briefly. First of all, we see God is a God of relationship right from jump. Because God is not schizophrenic when he says, hey, us, let's create humans in our image. No, the grammar is very specific. And God revealed this to his people, what he did. God told the story. Adam and Eve, who lived for hundreds of words, years, God told them the story. He came down, he walked in the garden with them, as was his practice, the scripture says. God had a regular practice of walking with Adam and Eve, walking with them, talking with them, listening to them. That's what the scripture says. There was a communion, there was a relationship that was going on. So it's very important for us to understand God was not needy 
God didn't need relationship from them or from us. Our relationship to God is not filling some sort of insecurity that God has. Our worship of God is not filling some sort of insecurity that God has. God already had relational peace within the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit was there from jump. Before anything you see was created, God was in relationship. And yet what we see in everything from Genesis all the way through Scripture is that God's purpose carries relationship. It is not a shallow, touchy-feely Christianity that says, Hey man, just be in relationship with God. No, that's in the scripture. It's a part of God's purpose. God desires to be in relationship with you and in a healthy relationship with you. It is a part of his intent. And then there is much in the scripture about all of our relationships with others. The second, what we see is character. God clearly has a purpose to shape humans, to create humans in his character. And that humans would be in this state of being. They would be in a state of being that reflects God, that reflects the goodness of God, that reflects the love of God. And today's uh, prayer for our 21 days of prayer and fasting and yesterday and the day before all connect with this. So God forming his character, character is actually a direct pronunciation of the Greek word that means the same thing. Uh, our state of being, our essential ingredients, the things that people think are essentially us, what they expect from us when they hang out with us, that God forming that in us that we would be like God is a part of his express purpose. Now, third, function. You see, God gives Adam and Eve stewardship function of the earth. It would be a mistake for us to believe that we should not be careful about how we steward this planet. And every plant and every animal and every organism and the air and the water, how we steward this planet is a part of our God-given function. But what we also see, the outworking of how they steward it, was it, it, de- it developed um, the ability to use to the best stewardship plants, use to the best stewardship animals. We see quickly, uh, there was smelting, there was blacksmithing, there, was, there were things that were invented for the purpose of stewardship, the development of cities. There were things that God put in humans to do. So we see both the purpose of God, relationship, a state of being, character of God, and doing, function. And you can and you will find vocation that is function, that is about actions, that is fulfilling to you, that is not just of your flesh. It is spiritual. God created you by a design for purposes. And some of those things you will get paid to do, and some of those things you will get paid with hugs from your children. Some of those things you may not get paid to do. You may not be appreciated to do, but you will find a fulfillment in it. Eric uh, Little, the, the, the sprinter, talked about how he could feel the favor of God when he ran. It is not a shallow thing when an athlete talks about 
feeling that fulfillment, whether they believe in Jesus Christ in the scripture or not, all humans are created for character, for function. And when we start to step into that, whether it be atheistic, agnostic, or, or believing in other religions, when we start to engage spiritually, we're spiritual beings with the, the selfless love of God and, and, and in a function that is mutually beneficial to the community, we feel the favor of God. Lastly, what we see is reproduction. God says, be fruitful and multiply, have babies. Now, what we also see very clearly in the scripture is that God gives a spiritual reproductive purpose. God tells us, what's the the, the first promise that Jesus gives his followers? Come and follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Natural reproduction and spiritual reproduction are a part of the purpose of God. Now, I don't have a whole lot of time, but just draw your attention to the screen. I want to point this out. Relationship with God and others is essential to you developing the character that reflects God. If you try to develop the character of God without a personal relationship with God, it will always end in frustration, discouragement. The relationship with God is essential to developing the character of God, growing spiritually into a state of being like God. The character of God is the basis for your function that God gives you. The things that you do. If we start with, I got to do this, we're going to be crying. Or not crying, but empty. I know, I'm not the only person in this room who has experienced this. This is very important. Relationship is essential for the character to develop. The character developing is the basis for the function. And when all three of these things are in place, we start to have a spiritual health that will automatically result in reproduction. And one of the ways that this looks is that someone notices that you're not stressed in the same way that they are stressed when you're in the same situation. They notice there's a spiritual life in you that they don't have. And when they notice there's a spiritual life in you that you don't have, it leads to spiritual reproduction. They want what you have. You point to Jesus when these three things are working together in a healthy way, and boom, it happens. One of the last people before we moved from Portland, Oregon to Baltimore that Rebecca and I led to faith in Jesus Christ was a young lady who grew up here in Baltimore. And what I just described was exactly the story of how it happened. She came to me, she said, I don't get it. Why aren't you stressed with what was going on in the company that we worked at? And I started to kind of come up with an answer. It was kind of half bogus. (laughs) And then I said, well, honestly, it's Jesus. And that was like, whoa, time out, what's going on with that? And that led to her being completely transformed. Stepping away from broken relationships and alcoholism and sexual promiscuity and, and, and coming to a place of life and peace and joy. That's how it works. So, what I'm describing is a journey of discovery. It's a journey of discovery. 
And it starts with receiving the love, the value, and the purpose that God has for you personally. That's the first thing that you need to do. This guitar has a different story. So it may be tough to see from where you are. You may need to get a closer look at it. But somebody smashed this guitar. It's, it's really messed up. It had a pretty heavy impact down here. And there's cracks all through here. And one, one day I was uh, walking the dog. And I found this guitar uh, in a pile of trash. And it was raining really heavy. Uh, it, was a, it was a rainy season. And when I um, picked it up, I, I poured out about a gallon of rainwater out of it. It was sitting in the trash, had about a gallon of rainwater in it. And I, I took it home. And, I mean, I didn't, you can see, I, I didn't fix the, the soundboard. I'm not a craftsman, didn't have the tools. But what I did was, I, cl- I dried it out, I cleaned it up, um, and I restrung it and, and made a couple little minor, minor repairs. And it plays beautifully. Wow. Now, I, I know it's not perfect and and fixed, but it plays beautifully. If I had been the person who created this with design, how would I feel when I saw someone smash it? How do you think God feels when your life gets smashed? The God who created you by design loves you. The God who created you by design loves you. When our own brokenness, when the brokenness of our world, when the brokenness of others smashes us, God grieves. He feels pain. We see over and over Jesus described as being moved with compassion. That is, suffering with. When life smashes us, our God suffers with us. And our God is not overwhelmed by it. But He has the power to heal us. To make us right. To bring us back to what He designed us to be. In relationship, in character, in function that results in reproduction. So we have to receive the love, the value. What would have happened if this guitar said to me, no, put me back in the trash heap? (laughs) I mean, if the cartoons are right, inanimate objects talk, right? No, put me back. I like the water that I'm filled with. What if the guitar had said, I'm not worthy of your love. I'm not worthy of your care. Right now, Daniel loves this guitar. Daniel plays this guitar, gave this guitar to Daniel. Obviously, I don't need another guitar. (laughs) I want to encourage you to receive the love of your Creator. And receive the fact that you have value. God created you by design in His image. 
You are an image bearer. You might be the only God-like person someone sees in their life. You have value. You have purpose. Receive it. Second, talk with God daily in response to what He has already said. This is why in our 21 day, and we've got verses for every day for you to hear some of the things that God has already said. Let us respond to God, talking to God, and listening to God every day. It's a conversation. That's the second way. Third, make a plan to learn more about your God-given identity and purpose. Well, Pastor Ben, that all sounds great, but I have no idea how to do that. Okay, let's talk about how to do that. So first of all, Schedule personal time to identify questions and pursue answers. You've got to carve out time to stop, to think, to reflect, and don't be afraid of any question that you have in your spirit. Don't be afraid. God's not afraid. God wasn't afraid of any question that Job brought to him. Or of the mistakes that his friends... I hate it when people quote that out of context. They quote one of the things his friends said that was in error, and like, see, this is what God's like. No, it's not context for the love of Pete. (laughs) Carve out personal time to identify what are your questions. What are your questions on this subject? And without time carved out, you won't pursue the answers. And I have learned that God is patient. And God is gentle. But God rarely knocks people off their horse and gives them the answer sheet. God wants to journey with you. You've got to carve out time. Second, you need a reading plan. Rebecca, myself, other small group leaders are happy to help you with a Bible study that would be relevant to what your questions are on these subjects. Verses that are So you're not overwhelmed, but you have something simple and profound that you can read and consider that can be transformative to you. And coming up, as we transition into February, I'm going to give you a book that's a devotional that I'm going to invite you to read daily from now to the first weekend in May. And I pretty much never say this, but I think it's going to change your life. I'm going to give you a book that I think is going to change your life. And I think it's relevant to these questions. And then there may be other books that we would recommend as well, but you've got to set out a reading plan. And third, you need to discuss all of it in life-giving relationships. Pretty common human nature is for misery loves company, so I'm going to go to the people that you know, are really also as frustrated and ticked off as I am, and I'm going to talk about it with them, right? It's not a good idea. We might want to avoid having conversations with people that kind of look like they have it all together. But maybe if I'm just talking to all the other bastard hounds that are laying around in the dusty yard howling about the thorn that they're laying on, maybe it's not going to be helpful to me. Maybe if their answer is, yeah, I know, it's terrible, there's nothing we can do about it. Maybe that's a sign it's not the right person for you to talk to about this stuff. We're wired for a relationship. Has this been helpful this morning? Please stand with me. Let's close in prayer. 
God, we need your help. Lord, we, we can choose to believe that you love us, but Lord, we need your help. Because in this broken world, our problems are many. And we need your help. All of us, everyone in this room, we need your help. Would you help us believe that you have created us by design and that our design connects with the world around us? That we can be involved with your greater purpose, that we can find fulfillment beyond what we've found before, that we can find peace, that we can find joy beyond what we have experienced before. Help us, Lord. Forgive us for where we've fallen short in, in, in loving you, in pursuing you. Lord, cleanse us. Help remove shame, remove guilt, bring new life into us. Give us a new heart, a new focus on you, Lord, as we start this year out, that we would receive your love for us, that we would believe in your purpose for our lives, that we would be changed by taking one step at a time toward you and your purpose. I thank you for it, God. I thank you for who you are and all that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.